Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catalog and Cocktails. It's that time again. It's uh, time for a weekly live hangout, uh, an honest, no BS, no salesy conversation about data management uh, with your tasty beverage in your hands. Um, I'm uh, Tim Gasper, uh, data nerd and uh, director of product over at data.world. Uh, and uh, we've also got Juan here, chief, pro chief, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, 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 <laughs> you really need a you need a break in the middle of the week. <laughs> a long week. Here, Tim, I'm Juan Takeda. I'm the principal scientist here at Data.World, and uh, we are happily joined today by our good friend uh, and founder of Data.World, one of the founders, John Loins. How are you doing, John? I'm great, and also the chief product officer of Data.World. Although I'm sure Juan sometimes uh would, would love to have that title yeah as well. I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding your titles into each other it's chief principal science product officer <laughs> you could you could actually uh you you could you, you could be tim's manager Juan. how do you feel oh, no 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 i always say tim's my partner in crime i do not want to manage tim and tim does not We're not going to create some asymmetry here <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh again happy wednesday mid of the week end of the day uh, I have one of my favorite new cocktails, which is something called the Carajillo, the liquor of 43, something from Spain with a shot of, uh, of an espresso on top. And it's just a nice kind of afternoon drink. Here we are. How about you guys? What are you guys drinking today? What do you got going on, John? Well, I've got a friends and allies brewing uh, company, one of my uh, favorite local uh, breweries. It's their Fresh Coast IPA. It's pretty good. A uh, nice, like, crisp and citrusy IPA. I wanted to make a cocktail, but I got stuck in another meeting, and the beer fridge is close by, and the, 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 co the, the cocktail uh, stuff would involve a trip to the kitchen. No worries. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, I think we were all in the same meeting, and somehow Juan managed to, to get a cocktail going. He's very secret. He's sly. But I also have a beer going on here, just a little bit of Carbach. Uh, this one's actually pretty good. I like it, the Crawford Bach. Yeah, I will point out, so my friend Peter is on the meeting here and uh, is a really good friend, has already uh, dinged me for my, my, my manicure. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, Peter, you, you noticed it. Other people are going to notice it. Uh, my, uh, my, my, my four and a half year old daughter got some new nail polish and decided to give daddy a manicure the other day. And, uh, <laughs> you know, things that happen during COVID times. But hey, things, let, things let, you do. You know? like I remember some... those times, John. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Rachel's <laughs> too old now, but I remember those times. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about some data here, and um, I think uh, just to kind of quick recap over the last couple of, I mean, now it's been like what three months now, right? Tell yeah. me topics of data. Um, we've talked about data governance a lot, about those uh, those ten principles of data governance. Uh, we've talked a lot about data personas. I mean, last week we talked about the data product manager, and one of the things we were one of the topics that comes up a lot is. Um, this issue, and I've seen it, I mean, I've seen it with prospects and just talking to friends and stuff. We talk about data catalogs, but everybody is like, we have data warehouses, we've got data lakes, and we gotta go build these things. And the question is, what do we do? Like, do I do a data lake, data warehouse first, or do we go off and do we get a catalog first? Uh, is it one or the other? And that's the topic today. I think it's something we encounter all the time. And, and I think what's really, really cool here is that, um, We'll talk about pros and cons. I've been thinking about this, but I think we should 
be able to go do this together. And I think we wanted to invite John because John has really been uh, pushing this message about agile data governance, but also John actually creates our, our, the warehouse that we do at data.world and, and has so much past experience about that stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, get, let's, let's, let's I, uh, I think, you know, a lot of this is, it was, it's been interesting to see this exact question come up at so many of our customers, so many of our prospects, uh, you know, folks that we talk to uh, who are working this in the industry who are just like, you know, I hear you and I feel you. I think a data catalog is a great idea. Documenting all my metadata. I want to have a great metadata management program, but man, I just bought Snowflake or uh, I, I'm committed to Redshift and now I want to shift all my data in there. I think I'm going to wait to build a catalog till after that. And I've also heard the opposite, right? The people who are like, oh, well, you know, I, I think uh, I would love to, to adopt a more modern data management platform, something like a Snowflake. But, you know, I think really what I need to do is really get my metadata game in order because I've been burnt by like building a data lake and having it turn into a data swamp beforehand, oh, right? So what, what, why would we want to go do, let's assume we'll take the first one. Let's go do a data catalog first and then the data lake second. And the data warehouse second. So what, what are the pros of doing the, doing the catalog first? Well, you know, I think that the pros of, of, of wanting to do the catalog first, or at least the intent of wanting to do the catalog first is like, well, you know, let me understand my data landscape, right? Let me, let me figure out what all the assets are that I already have, um, figure out what they get used for. Um, and that way I, I can put good governance on top of it before I go and, and push into you know, this, this new, 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 new data management platform that I have, you know, that's, that's well and good. And, and I think people are frustrated with some of the, the, the kind of the governance nightmares that they've created by just like dumping everything into a data lake beforehand. Um, yeah. And so they're like, well, I got to understand what I have first before I go and push things into this new, new warehouse. I think a lot of it also, honestly, purely tactically, a lot of the new cloud warehouses are built around consumption-based models, right? So people are paying for them by compute cycle or by byte stored. So they're sort of like, well, you know, my enterprise is so sprawling before I just go and dump things willy-nilly into this like consumptive-based model, I want to know what's going to have value before I put it in there. Yeah, they don't want to just throw everybody in there and all the data and say, hey, just run the bill, right? Um, yeah, they're trying to be more careful about it. And so that makes sense. So it's things like I, I, why you want to do a catalog first is so you can understand what data is already available. And, and that way I can like kind of pick and choose what's the valuable stuff I want to go put into a warehouse. Because again, a warehouse, it's going to charge it. I mean, now these cloud warehouses are charging me compute and all that stuff. I want to make sure I'm going to put in the right thing before just dumping everything because I don't have to go pay for storage and computation. So that's probably a reason why you want to go do a catalog first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, flip, flip it. sorry, anything else? Uh, just to chime in really quick. And uh, there's, there's also the, the migration use case, right? Like if you're kind of like moving to the cloud or something, you've got like an on-prem data warehouse, you're moving to Snowflake or Redshift or something like that. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to boil the ocean on that, right? That's probably, probably another one. Well, that's a good point that you always say that, uh, yeah, we, we always talk about avoid boiling the ocean, but you something say, if I'm doing that migration, I already have probably a very messy 
warehouse, it's probably my opportunity to go clean it up, right? So let's go yeah. take all the, all, as somebody's saying in the chat, let's go take all that junk outside of my drawer and make sure that I'm moving things. I'm going to start now with a clean closet. Yeah, it's the, uh, the, I don't want to, I don't want to repeat the sins of the past thing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's flip it around. Why would you, why would you want to do a data warehouse first and then catalog afterwards? Well, I think a lot of people think that, you know, cataloging and metadata management have to be this like massive documentation lift, right? That, um, you know, instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at it as purely a technical problem. I'm going to go like, like basically take the fire hose that's dumping data over here and just move it all the way over here first, right? Or, you know, they've never maybe built out a data lake or a data warehouse before. And they're just like, I just got to get every, like my job is just to go and, and like, you know, knock everything out. I'm a data engineer. All I'm thinking about is all the ETL pipelines I have. I'm just going to shift it over here. And then I'll think about going back and documenting it after, right? Like, it's just, I think sometimes it's that like wanting to build things into neat phases, right? Um, and looking at it purely as a technical thing of like, if I just lift and shift this, then I can focus on problem A, and then I'm going to focus on problem B. Yeah. Is there a perception maybe that, you know, and, and maybe this is what I've seen a little more common. I'm curious if, John, you're kind of seeing the same thing, is it seems like people tend to look at warehouse sometimes as a little more like table stakey, like, well, I got to get my data in one place and, and that kind of thing, right? That's the first yeah. thing, and then, I'll, and then I'll figure out how to democratize it or something like that, right? Yep. Absolutely. But there Absolutely. is value if you actually are able to do that correctly. But I think the thing is getting that right is hard because you fall into this temptations that it's going to, you got to boil the ocean. You end up in these waterfall kind of approaches that you end up uh, taking too much time. And, and your goal is just, I, I, I'm going to get it ready. So once we go have the data warehouse, which is ready, you can go catalog all the correct good data. But and that's sometimes wishful thinking, I think, I believe. Well, it's like, you know, if, if for anybody here that's from a software engineering background too, it's like, how many people have been, uh, have ever gotten into a death march rewrite, right? Where, you know, it's time to replatform your application architecture or whatever. And you end up in these death marches of like, I need to replace everything all at once, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I'm going to rewrite the world because I want to uh, pay down all of our technical debt in one fell swoop. I want to adopt all the modern things all in one go, right? And it's just so rare that you see that actually work. Yeah, so, so it, it, it seems to me that there isn't, there's some pros and cons for each, but is, is it actually possible? Can we be successful at pulling them both at the same time? Or is that, a, is that just too much and we're going to, it's also almost a recipe for failure? Well, I mean, that is the argument against doing them both at the same time, right? But it's only too much if you take that boil the ocean approach, right? If you try to do it all at once, right? If you try to like catalog and lift and shift your entire data landscape before you let anybody at it, that's going to be a little bit of a rough go, right? Um, and that's why like agile methodologies in the software world are so effective because like, you know, you're narrowing that scope, right? You're identifying one really high value use case and knocking that out before you move on. And I mean, that's the argument we make with, with, with agile data governance. 
That's the argument that like we make when we say do both at once. Look, you know, the, like the cloud data platforms that are out there now, BigQuery, Snowflake, um, Redshift, um, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty awesome. Um, you know, they let you do some really incredible things that I, I haven't seen before. And in my like 20 year career, um, you know, I never thought I'd sit here and be like, look, I'm the chief product officer of a, of a, of a 70 person company. And I, I'm, I'm the guy administrating our data warehouse, right? That we use for our, our analytics. I'm a product guy and I'm a UX guy. I have absolutely no business uh, being, being, being the overall administrator of our, our, our data warehouse. But, you know, the levers that you can pull in the, these cloud environments are, are so good that you can do that, right? So, you know, when you look at your data warehouse or your, your data platform as a service, and then you start thinking about your building a catalog on top of that, it makes it a lot easier to focus on what's going to make the assets in your catalog uh, a lot more effective and easier to use. Um, and that's why I think you should like take an agile approach and, and do them both at once, right? Like kind of pick your architecture, pick a few use cases, start building fact and dimension tables, but have them be well documented at the same time. If you start building that muscle as you do it, like even if you like build one fact and two dimension tables, like if that's your first sprint, that solve one or two analytic questions or problems, right? And that's like how you, you start like disseminating uh, new and beautiful data assets. I mean, that's a huge win. Like if you start building that muscle memory, then you start getting your, your data asset, all your transforms and ETL done, and it's all nicely documented and packaged up in a catalog all in one go, um, you know, on these like two week sprints man like you know that that to me is how you, you build a really great data-driven culture so one thing i've seen for example aws right they have all their the redshift is they're now cloud and lake and all these things and they have this uh aws glue right that's a big thing we're seeing a lot and what i found interesting is that aws glue has cataloging features right so that it's kind of that is already an indicator for me that it's like you need you need to go have a catalog to go create your lake, but you also need to have a lake to go create your catalog. Like, the, the, like even AWS is putting these things out there. And, and I think that's an indicator we gotta figure out how to go balance both at the same time. Um, but actually, if you look at the catalog, I, I mean, I've been looking into that catalog in the AWS glue, it's really bare minimum. And, and we started seeing people saying, they get excited about it, but they, it's, it's bare minimum. There's more things I want to go do. So I think that's already indications I'm seeing that we want to go have both at the same time. And it's, it's just, you want to be agile, want to go, uh, go around and do both of them. So I think I, that, that's what I'm seeing. I, I, I'm really cool to see AWS really validating that, that you can do both at the same time. Yeah. Kind of tying them together a little more closely, you know, um, one thing that I thought was really interesting that you're talking about, John, is kind of this use case oriented focus. And, you know, why aren't more companies taking sort of a use case first approach, right? And, and taking more of a technology centric approach. What kind of, what kind of motivates that? Why are people falling into that trap? You know, um, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like data and analytics work has seen, been seen really primarily as two things. If you look at the kind of the producer and consumer con uh, community, uh, in most organizations. On the producer side, you have a very ops and IT centric view of the world, right? Where it's about deploying infrastructure 
And sometimes that's hard to do in an agile way, right? Like you, you're deploying a lot of big iron. You have to roll this stuff out in a, in a phased approach. A lot of times like agile methodologies don't really work in that. Now uh, on the flip side, on the consumer side, uh, data scientists and um, data scientists and analysts, uh, you know, they're just trying to get a job done, right? And, you know, they just want to do analytics. They're not thinking about an overall architecture. Um, and so if you take, think about your data, like, and this was last week's topic, right? And you think about it more from a product management aspect of like, you know, how do I make this usable? You think about it from an applications aspect rather than a pure IT aspect, right? Where all you're doing is rolling out infrastructure, right? Um, you know, taking that product management approach means that you can be more agile. I think technology also plays a major role in that, right? Like standing up a data warehouse is no joke, like even like five years ago, right? Yeah, there can be some pretty heavy lifting and some complexity to it, right? Yeah, so you take a more applications-oriented approach and even more software and software architecture-oriented approach and a product-oriented approach, it's a little bit easier to think about, like, how do I iteratively improve the data assets as they're being presented, right? To, and, and, and making that data producer and data consumer uh, membrane be a little bit more fluid. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've been discussing, like, what are the steps? How, how would we actually go accomplish this? How can we have a data catalog and a data warehouse at the same time to be able to achieve value? And I like to kind of, we've been brainstorming what are the steps to be able to go do this? Um, I know like the first thing that we've always talked about is let's go create this backlog of all the analytics you want to go do. And I think the key thing we want to go, that that's helps us one to not boil the ocean and helps to make sure that we are aligning all this data work with the business value, with the ROI, because it's, because we need to have people, the tech side and the business side talking together. So that I believe should be the first starting point is let's just make that backlog of all the open questions we have driven by the business. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you on that one. Um, you know, I even think about what we did as we rebuilt our data warehouse at data.world and we thought about like what our business needed um, and even built that backlog and that stack, right? Um, you know, we have a, you know, we, we use a star schema approach to our modeling for our warehouse at data.world. And, you know, one of the first things we said was like, what is going to be the highest value thing we, we do? We measure a lot of our success on, you know, what users do on, in a, like, on a daily basis in data.world. And so that, you know, daily uh, time frame is really important to us, right? So the first thing we prioritize is we built our own backlog was like, well, we need to be able to tell people what users are doing every, like on a daily basis. So let's make a daily user fact table and then we'll like line up the columns. So it's sort of like, okay, that's our first story that we want to approach is how do we create a fact table that tells us, you know, facts of what users are doing on a, on a, on a day-to-day -day basis in data.world, right? Um, you know, then we said, okay, well, what's the next most important thing? We started building that backlog and story. We manage that like we manage any other backlog in Jira, right? Uh, and we have sprints, we have meetings to talk about how we build our, our assets. 
And, and part of our definition of done, and we have a definition of done there too, is like, oh, are those new models that we're creating for those fact and dimension tables that we're creating well-documented, you know, uh, are, they, are they cataloged, right? And that happens uh, iteratively as well uh, in, in, our, in our data engineering group. And I think it's important to talk about the people who are involved, right? So you also want to be able to kind of, you want to be able to gather your team about that, right? So we're talking about, uh, we need a data product manager, right? What we were talking last time. You want to have your data stewards who are actually documenting folks, right? And your knowledge scientists who are figuring out what that calculations are. I think that's also a very crucial part of that whole, te uh, whole team that's involved in that whole process. Yeah, I think the documentation aspect here is very interesting as part of the process. Like at, at data.world, when we created our data warehouse, right, we, uh, you know, hook it up to data.world and now we're creating a data set. We're kind of populating that data dictionary, um, you know, creating a glossary. And now we have a glossary internally at data.world that everyone's using. Obviously, this is kind of looking at it from our perspective, but it feels like this model extends to a lot of our customers as well. You know, yeah, and we do that though in real time, right? Like, I mean, Tim, you, Juan, you guys know as well as anybody, and uh, I know we have other data world people here, right? Like, you know, we get an asset live and then we immediately run metrics and analytics against it, right? We're like, oh, can we actually calculate our key KPIs against this new asset that we have? When we do, then we build the documentation about like, this is how you calculate that KPI, right? And we do that real time, right? We do that as part of the iteration, and not the separate things, from the iteration. One of the things that we talked about actually last week in our episode with Claire was I, I, that the takeaway last week for me was key was that you want to have like the data stewards are managing the data today and you have another set of folks on the data product team managing the data of tomorrow. So which the way I take my takeaway from there is we need to go document the existing data that is that exists. And that's, you want to be able to do that documentation. And then I want to say, well, we're going to go create these dimension, right? These fact tables, dimension tables, and we're preparing this for the data that people are going to consume tomorrow. And that also needs to be well-documented. And so you have this stuff that's happening both at the same time, but you know that they're well-connected and you're doing, and you have the folks who are putting all that data together. You get that data out. And then, uh, and by the way, these should all be, all be done based on a particular use case, your analytic stories. Then you start generating your data, right? Let's go generate that table or extend whatever you're gonna go do. And then let's go, then you can actually pass it on to your uh, consumers of data. And they're the ones who are gonna evaluate it. And you have to keep this entire peer process they wanna go do, like peer review, just like we do in software. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just like doing a pull request in GitHub, right? Like, you know, um, and what's great about that is that like, we call it knowledge debt, um, but, this is a great way of minimizing knowledge debt by having your users, your consumers immediately in there working that asset, asking questions about it. You can like document it in real time, create and generate that metadata you need in real time. And all of a sudden it doesn't feel like this giant chore, right? And you just learn to do that as part of the process, right? Like, you know, you, when, when, when you make software, you're like, you gotta write doc, you gotta, you gotta do your tests, right? If you're doing that as you do the generation of the asset, right? You evaluate it with the users, you do user acceptance testing essentially, right? But like the best kind of user acceptance testing is can you actually run the analytics you want against it, right? Um, you get to see in real time where people are stumbling and you get to fix that in real time 
And all of a sudden, instead of accumulating this, uh, this knowledge debt, much like you accumulate tech debt and, and software, you get to pay that down instantly, right? It's not a big post hoc process or chore that you have to do. I think that's like really a lot of the key to adopting this agile process is it like really helps you minimize that knowledge that in doing your data warehouse and your, your data catalog at the same time. I really look at your data catalog in, in your data warehouse, or your data lake, your data management platform, if you will. Those two things are really your key technology selections. The rest of it, you can slot in as you need. That's interesting. And, you know, I think part of this end user focus and the sort of use case focus, there's also a, a measurement aspect as well. And I know, John, we were kind of talking earlier today about, about measurement being an important part of sort of a, a product manager's toolkit, you know, probably applicable to the data product manager's toolkit. Um, you know, how does that come into play here? Like, how does, how does measurement help with focusing on the right things or documenting the right things, et cetera? Well, I mean, I think it's like, you know, a little bit more of a, a complete product management oriented approach. And to me, the best product managers are data-driven product managers, right? So if you're able to have a platform where you can see, you know, what assets are really, uh, you know, resonating with people, uh, that are being used for high value projects, uh, but also see where people are stumbling in a, in, a, in a way that makes the qualitative quantitative, you can really figure out where to spend your next time and refine what those next iterations are going to be. And as you get better at this, right, you can do two things, right? You can go deep on the products that you have, or you can start figuring out how to expand the program into different business units, right? Uh, kind of replicating that playbook uh, but using a consistent model and a consistent manner of working as you, you move from, from, from business unit to business unit. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm liking this. There's this analogy you started out earlier, like you're really building your muscle, right? So you, you can't just expect that you're going to have strong muscles one day to another, right? You, you, start, you start small, you're still building up and, and, and being able to say, okay, I generate this data that's being used. I'm expanding it, either get more data in or expand to different business units. That's how I'm getting stronger. And in, in, in some, in, and you, I want to measure how strong I get too. I mean, that's why when you go to gyms, you're you, what's your max, and you start training for your next max. In a way, it's I mean, that's the kind of analogy I'm seeing here. Yeah, I like that analogy. I think that that works pretty well. And and I, and I love this idea of sort of you know starting uh, focused and refining. Right. And, and kind of iterating as you go forward, um, it, it seems like a part of this building the muscle and sort of lowering the bar and making it simpler is uh, is to make it so that everyone is contributing and being a part of that documentation. Yeah. I mean, that that's what like keeps that like, you know, momentum going too, right. Like as you build the habit around it, it just becomes habit. Right. Um, and it no longer starts to feel like part of a, a chore or like you have a, a, a mountain of documentation, right? Or tests to run. You just start doing it, right? Um, it's easier to tackle one bit at a time. Now, you may not ever get to documenting or testing your entire data landscape at your enterprise, right? But I bet you a lot of the areas where you don't get to doing that stuff, we're probably pretty low value to begin with. Right. And that actually goes to the whole, like, why shouldn't you build your entire catalog first? Because like, this is also a great methodology to 
very organically figure out what the highest value items that you should be working on are, right? And why bother writing documentation with a thing that never gets touched, never gets used, and doesn't really have business value? That's that's a huge point. I, I think that it's it's easy to to go back to our, I think our favorite phrase on this show, but to avoid boiling the ocean, TM, um, it, you you need to be able to uh, uh, to to focus on the the right things and focus more generally. And, and that actually leads me to think about something that, that feels like it's a little bit of theme of this session as well as a theme in other, in other sessions is that um, it, it feels like catalogs uh, specifically fall into two sides of sort of uh, the equation. One is more the discovery side. What's out there? How do I know what's out there to sort of feed it in? And that's actually probably less documentation heavy, it seems like, right? That's more like I need visibility so I can manage what I can see. And then there's more of the sort of the, you know, the enterprise data marketplace side that I'm trying to package these data products together to really create enablement to the data consumers. It seems like the, the data warehouse is almost at the center of that, right? You have sort of the discovery on the front end and the data marketplace on the other end. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, it, for a lot of enterprises, your data management platform, whether it's a, a warehouse or a lake is really kind of a lot of the plumbing that holds all these things together, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things that, like, if you wanna talk pure tech, right? One of the things that a lot of data warehouses don't do particularly well, and why I think a data catalog is a great uh, addition on top of that, is they don't do metadata management particularly well, right? So they don't you know, make your documentation programmatically accessible or crawlable, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a miss in that space albeit you know they're trying to solve that problem in a very specific way right i mean you know their job is to make query fast and efficient and storage fast and efficient right like it's it's a pretty big ask to be like oh and by the way you should be good at metadata management and discovery and that kind of thing too, you know? Yeah, thing, things beyond just your sort of your column descriptions and sort of the, the simple things, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, John, I always tell everybody, 30 minutes just flies by like that. It really it does. does. Hey, so I wrote, I always like to write, take, write my takeaways. So this is it, data catalogs and warehouse. You can do both. Go build your muscle, minimize knowledge depth, measure and iterate. That's how I'd summarize this discussion. How about yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, to add to that, it's like, you know, when you adopt a new tech, like a new data management platform, it's also a great time. Like, I appreciate people wanting to solve the sins of the past and either want to build out their warehouse first or do their, their, their catalog first. But like, actually solving the sin of the past means probably doing both at the same time. Well, with that, John, thank you so much. Tim, always a pleasure to chat with you every Wednesday, and I look forward to, uh, for, to the next one. So thanks for your time. See you guys next week.